Hello, and welcome to the Lectionary Call-In Podcast uh, Ministry of the Palmasia Presbyterian Church, where pastors and lay people gather together to talk about and consider the gospel lectionary reading for the Sunday coming through the lens, particularly of three questions that have been crafted by the facilitator of the day and given to the others in uh, advanced preparation for their reflection. And so we gather together in this recording to share those reflections and to be in dialogue with one another. I am Nicole Parton Abdenor, and I am one of the pastors at Palmasia Presbyterian Church. And today it's my joy to be joined by Bill Hall in St. Petersburg, Florida. Sarah Mickelson in Tampa, Florida. Good morning, Sarah and Bill. Thanks for being here. Today, we are going to be discussing the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 through 20. This is the Gospel uh, lectionary reading for Sunday, January the 21st, which is the third Sunday after Epiphany. So hear now God's holy word. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother, John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So I think one of my initial questions is, why do we receive two call stories in a row? Um, And I asked you all to compare and to contrast the call story from last week's Gospel of John reading with this week's call story from the Gospel of Mark. And I'm hoping that you might be willing to share Um, one similarity or perhaps difference uh, that stands out to you and the reason why that particularly stands out to you between the two. Sarah, are you willing to share first? Sure. Um, The words are the same. Follow me. And he says them to both Philip and to Simon and Andrew and then again to James and John. Um, But the the way they respond is slightly different to me. Nathaniel goes um, to, excuse me, Philip goes and finds Nathaniel first. And I kind of like that because I'm kind of one of those people that would go and find my buddy and take my buddy with me um, before I would make an immediate response. But um, I think there's a, a, the lens or the voice of the, the author comes through too. I like John's reflective process, and I also like Mark's immediacy. And so I see that as um, an interesting contrast. I think one of the things that my brain connected this week, thanks to your question, was all follow. 
immediately or maybe after we ask a friend to tag in. So there's this acceptance of both pathways in my brain now where I always felt like I would be deficient in, in the book of Mark because I wouldn't be able to react that quickly. I'm a person that processes a little bit more slowly. And I think I would be uh, left in the boat fishing. That's great. Thanks, Sarah. Bill? Um, thank you for the question. Uh, of course, last week it was Philip and Nathaniel, and this week, uh, Andrew and Peter, James and John. Uh, I will make a couple of observations then speak to your question. It was helpful to me that Caroline Lewis in The Working Preacher notes that in Mark, this is the first time Jesus is quoted as speaking. <laughs> and the first words are, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So for me, uh, I'm noting this because to me, there's a bridge between the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus. Jesus affirms the same message uh, about repentance. And that reminds me that we never build from the ground up. We, no matter who we are or how we minister, we're standing on the foundation laid by others. Uh, and I, I appreciate that reminder. Uh, and I note also that this story is contained in Matthew and Luke's gospel. Um, and as you note, those who developed the lectionary paired sequentially two different call narratives, one from John and one from Mark. And it seems to me, Nicole, whatever the intent of the developers of the lectionary was, it makes clear something that needs to be clear. Our, you're talking about similarity. Our call is a gift from God. In, it is not in modern day jargon a matter of my self-fulfillment and my pleasure. Rather, God may call us to leave what is familiar, and to journey toward that which left to ourselves we would not seek. I've referred at times to my call process, and I outdid Moses in resisting. That was not where I wanted uh, to go. And it seems to me uh, another similarity is that Jesus meets us where we are. Uh, he met, in this case, for fishermen, he later called others, a tax collector and so forth. Um, and um, I will say more under another question response. Um, well, no, I'll, I'll say it here. Each of them left behind something different. Uh, Peter and uh, Andrew are asked to leave their nets it notes that James and John left their father and fellow workers uh, so that I think each of us leaves something behind, but it may be different for each of us. Thank you for the question. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. Yeah, I noticed that, uh, you know, John's gospel 
is it's a lot of dialogue back and back and forth between um, the different folks. You know, first it's between Philip and Nathaniel, and then it's between Nathaniel and Jesus. Whereas in Mark's gospel, Jesus is the he's the only kind of voice, um, the direct speech that we hear. The rest uh, is all done through the lens of the narrator. Um, as as Mark reports the action. And I just found that, I just found that in, intriguing um, and, and, and note and noteworthy and have been kind of pondering why that is. Um, the mode is similar and supportive though, I think um, to their messages uh, for each John and for Mark. John has this uh, repetitive refrain of come and see, come and see, come and see. Does use the terms follow me, um, but the come and see refrain um, is frequent and often, which as I hear it, I hear that much more invitationally. Um, Whereas in Mark's gospel, the follow me, follow, 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 follow me, um, it seems more command-like. So there's a slightly different, I, I I hear it slightly differently. And I liked what you were saying, Bill, in terms of Jesus meets us where we are. And I, I wonder if that's a, a, that's a, that certainly is a part of it, not just meets us where we are um, in terms of kind of our, our physical social locations, but also in terms of where we are and what it is we need there. You know, sometimes I need, uh, invitation and other times I need command. Uh, so whether it's come and see or, uh, follow, um, yeah, we hear, we hear what it is that we, what, what we need. So, well, then I'm going to move us to our second question. Uh, thank you for your, um, thoughtful responses. So there is an immediacy. There is an urgency to Mark's telling of the disciples call. Simon and Andrew, of course, in this text are fishing and they leave their nets immediately and follow. Um, James and John, they are on the boat with their father and with other uh, workers. They're mending nets and they drop their nets and they leave those folks um, behind in order to follow. So what is Mark communicating about the significance of discipleship with the immediacy, the urgency of this scene. Bill? Again, thank you for the question. One of the resources I use, and others of you may, is called Connections. We're now in year B, volume one. And I found it interesting that one of the commentators on this passage said, Jesus's first demonstration of authority is not a miracle, but the calling of two sets of brothers who immediately respond by following him. So it seems to me, Nicole, this is another principle of the call. Jesus is not going to do his ministry alone. He, he calls others, uh, and we've commented on previous podcast about the diversity of this group. We talked today about diversity. <laughs> this was a motley crew that he, the first 12, uh, and yet they were called for God's purposes and for God's work. Um, 
And taking the narrative as it is, Peter and Andrew left their profession, uh, while James and Jonas, you noted and I noted in the first question, left not only their profession, but also their father, the boats, and others who worked with them. Uh, and later, in chapter 10 of Mark and 19 of Matthew, Peter raises the question, if we've left all this, houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, fields, what's in it for us? And so what your question led me to focus on was what do we need to leave? And I think I think of leaving in the broadest sense of the word, not just things or relationships, but I think particularly relevant to today is leaving prejudice, uh, leaving greed, arrogance, a desire for dominance. It very much troubles me in the Christian world how much uh, posturing there is and vying for power, both including uh, political. Instead, the gospel is that there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. It's not about dominance. Um, and it's clear to me that the leaving is not a one-time event. Um, James and John are called in this passage. What do they do later in the gospel narrative? They want to know Jesus would want to Thus be at your left or right in another gospel narrative, their mother asked Jesus to give them a place of dominance. And to use Dietrich Bonhoeffer's phrase, the cost of discipleship is illustrated by the opening words of this week's passage and also noted in Matthew's account. After John was arrested, um, And in turn, in this lectionary journey, we will travel with the disciples and Jesus to the cross where Jesus was crucified. So uh, for me, Nicole, this, this passage raises a lot of questions. What do I need to leave? Thank you. Thank you, Bill. One of the, I wish I remembered... where I read it, but in my preparation uh, for this morning, you're, you're noting the connections commentary and the, um, the point that in, in Mark's gospel, that Jesus's ministry does not begin with a miracle story, but one of the, somebody that I was reading wondered, is this not a miracle story? Could this not also be, and their point was uh, that, this idea of leaving, leaving vocation and leaving family and people behind, um, you know, is that not a miracle that kind of this idea that as humans, that we would, would have the capacity to do such a, such an about face, such a transformation is sort of miraculous in and of its, in and of itself, which um, I'd never considered this to be a miracle story. And so I thought that was just an interesting, um, an interesting reflection. Uh, but um, I think that the part for me, part of the urgency um, is because you mentioned also kind of the, the beginning of the text, both with John, setting it situationally, John's been arrested, 
Um, so there's a there's a, a crisis there, a crisis moment I think um, that happens that drives the narrative. But then the first thing that Jesus says is the kingdom of God has come near, and it's therefore it's because of the nearness of the kingdom of God that then he continues and says repent and believe, and and so Jesus because the God's kingdom is near, is calling people to a new way of being, is calling them to turn around, to do this about face, um, this U-turn. And I think that discipleship, uh, you know, following Christ in this world is, I mean, it is, um, no matter how you look at it, it is a new way of being. It is a very different way of being. Uh, than what the world uh, calls us towards. Um, and there's there's always, I think, anytime you're running against the grain, there is this, there's got to be this urgency. Um, there has to be a momentum to it, I think, in order to kind of keep moving in that direction when 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 you're swimming upstream. Um, and when you're, you know, when you're going towards, when you're, in some ways, you're going against um, so much, you're going towards something, and you're going towards something far greater. Um, but it's a movement against. Um, and I think that there's, um, I think the other piece of why that's important is that because that's such an important part of discipleship and because this is a call story, I think that there is an urgency to our call stories. I think call stories being, uh, one of you had said a gift from God. I think that gifts from God that appear in our lives, they, they nag. If, if we don't latch onto them immediately, <laughs> which so often we don't, <laughs> they 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 nag they nag at us um you know they continue to present so there's there's urgency on one end or the other um because we're not going to sort of be left alone if you will and that's just part of the um this i don't the seriousness the gravity of a call story um the importance of um they're not to be taken lightly or flippantly or carelessly they're to be taken um seriously and um and in part because they are they are so transformative um they they demand uh, it expects so much of us and um there's great benefit uh, but it also I th there's great responsibility as well Sarah, well, like about you, you? I like how you said that. Um, I'm, I agree with you. The opening sentence or two of this passage sets the story in motion. Um, so the crisis event moment. Um, the other piece of the puzzle um, that for me is that I think we see Jesus knowing where this is going a little bit. And that the work is now into his hands um, to move the story forward. So there's that sense of urgency about we have things that we need to be doing. Um, 
so I, I, I find that in Mark's gospel, um, Mark implies that following Jesus is more important than anything. So much so that, that Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John all drop what they're doing and they follow Jesus. Um, Janet Hunt writes a blog called Dancing with the Word. And I often like to look at her blogs because she has such great questions embedded in them. Um, but she suggests that they followed like their lives depended on it. Um, and she shared a story about being caught in a terrible snowstorm and, and, and the roads were treacherous and she pulled off and um, was going to try to find shelter for the evening with the unexpected snowstorm that set in. And someone recognized her and said, no, follow me. I know the way. So there was that sense of, um, she adds, my following in that situation was towards the familiar and the secure. And I wondered about that. How often do we get a call story that is kind of like mom or dad calling us home for dinner and that there's this sense of urgency that dinner time is now um, or that we're being called away from something dangerous or threatening to us. And, and while we are distracted by the thing, other people can see the trajectory or the, um, the, the where it's going answer. And so they call us away from that, which is dangerous to us. So I'm thinking about call stories in that regard, too. Um, the following of the disciples would have seemed to be towards something unfamiliar, though, and insecure. So Jesus calls four fishermen from the lives they knew by heart into lives that they could not have imagined. This is, again, I'm quoting Janet Hunt. Although at least part of them must have been wondering, or they would not have left their nets so quickly to take up after Jesus. So maybe they were looking for something with purpose, something that that was in, in their realm to, to take on. Um, I will note that the call story in John and the call story in Mark seem to be well suited to that or to those being called how the phrase is done or how the approach is made. Jesus is specific um, and personal in that. So um, I wonder now, as Bill, you added, what Jesus is calling us away from and what Jesus is calling us to. Because sometimes um, a shift in our lives uh, could be as simple as I, you know, a friend of mine said, I will never get married. And then suddenly she met someone and it changed her world a little bit. And she could see the future with that person that she hadn't imagined before. I think we all kind of step into that realm when we move toward having children. You know, we have this imaginary thought of how having children will be and how the dynamics and the dimensions of that are are unimagined at the time when you endeavor that. And then when the reality comes to pass, you, you recognize it as one of the most wonderful gifts, one of the most difficult gifts, um, and, and likely one of the most frightening gifts at the same time. So I'm, I'm wondering about what we're being called away from and what we're being called toward, which is like the root of discipleship, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that the text certainly begs those questions. What are we being called away from and towards? So our final question uh, is sort of a two-parter. The first part, is God's call today urgent? Is God's call today urgent? And then how do you discern God's call amongst all the other urgent messages uh, and matters that demand your attention? So as I thought about this question, um, I, th- I think I co- I think I come down that God's call is uh, urgent in every age, in every age and every day. Um, God's call is urgent until the fullness is complete, uh, not near, but uh, you know until completion, and uh, there will be an urgency because God is always trying to break into, to break through to us so that we can be a part of the fullness um, that that God imagines and imagined at the very beginning of creation for, uh, for God's creation. And so uh, there's always going to be that, that urgency um, for us. And so I think the hard, the hard part then is, well, how do I, <laughs> how do I discern then Um, amongst all the different things that demand uh, time and energy and attention. uh, How do I discern what God is calling me towards um, in the midst of all of that? And we were talking a little bit about this uh, before we we began recording. And I think for me, particularly, one of the ways that uh, I do that is uh, through kind of stillness and through quiet. Um, I, I, you know, this early hour morning, um, for me, um, is an essential, is an essential way of life. It's, it's how I'm able to live life, um, is by rising early and being in the stillness and the quiet of my house, uh, when the four legged creatures allow stillness and quiet, sometimes they don't, uh, but all of the the humans are typically still asleep. And so I'm able to simply just be, I'm able to simply be in prayer. Um, I'm able to simply be with uh, reading, with reflection, um, writing my own thoughts and kind of discern. So stillness and quiet is one important aspect of how I discern God's call. And the other aspect uh, is community. Um, so there's a balance to that because uh, I think what I what I discern in the stillness and quiet, I, I think for me, call begins in that place often, uh, but then it has to be checked by the gift of community, uh, sacred and important relationships uh, that are um, a part uh, of of my being and conversations with others. Uh, in order to check that which I might feel called towards, it has to be affirmed uh, within that within that community. Not that call can't begin in community; it certainly can. Um, but I often hear it, even if it begins in community. I I usually don't hear it until I'm able to sit with it um, and and quiet for a while. So, Sarah, how about you? Um, this urgency and and how do you how do you discern? I, I would say uh, sometimes the call is urgent. 
Um, I'm thinking of my children again and calling them away from something dangerous or something um, that they need essentially like food. Um, So in discerning God's call, my questions are, is it full of love? Is it full of service? Can it be of assistance or help to someone? Is the opportunity that that I, that is coming to me or that I see maybe, is it something I'm particularly well suited for? Do I have a skill set that meets that need? Um, and would it be something easy for me to do versus super difficult? Um, you know, I'm often observing is the need immediate. Is it the most, if, if the most important person is the person that's standing in front of me, would this be of service to them? And sometimes I will confess, although for many years I thought when calls came, they were specific to me and that I should take them and that I shouldn't refuse them or, or, or um, consider them for a second. I should just respond, kind of like Mark's call stories for um, the fishermen. And then I went, but maybe it's not about that. Maybe sometimes I'm merely the connector like Philip to the call for Nathaniel. And and I want to step back and go, I want to be cautious and not think it's about me taking on a new role. It might be about me connecting someone who's better for that role to the opportunity. And I'm open for both. And I think I'm, I'm hesitant only because sometimes the second person is the better choice, the better talent, the better... Um, skill set, the, the the most efficient decision. So maybe I'm the one who knows who to go and get. Maybe I'm a Philip and not necessarily a Peter. I, I'm kind of um, in thinking about both of those. And so I'm going to go with, I love the idea that you'll hear something affirmed by the community. I think that helps tremendously because it confirms in my mind, sometimes whether I'm the Philip or I'm the Peter in, in the opportunity that comes to my door. Um, so I, I want to leave the door open for those that, that are hesitant, that maybe sometimes that's also a part of the story and, and an, an essential part of the story. So um, I think that calls are personal. They're specific to what we need and, um, and and I like the idea that you thought of it as an invitation or a command, because sometimes we do need the command to call us towards something that's uh, necessary for our, um, our, our fulfillment of joy, if you will. Thanks, Sarah. Bill? Uh, yes. Um, God's call is urgent. And uh, Nicole, I did reflect on your question in light of the gospel narrative, but it led me, uh, one of the things I like to do is look at the other lectionary passages for a given Sunday. And so my response in a moment will be based on looking at the narrative in Jonah chapter three, which is one of the Hebrew scriptures reading for this coming Sunday. One of the favorite questions in college and graduate school was compare and contrast. The Jonah story and the gospel narrative are a powerful compare and contrast. In contrast to Peter and Andrew, James and John immediately leaving their nets, 
Jonah, <laughs> probably all of those listening and viewing know that Jonah narrated how he took resistance to the max and only reluctantly finally accepted God's call. And then when God's call to repent worked, he was highly resentful. It, it is an amazing uh, four-chapter uh, narrative. Uh, now, at the in, in terms of how do I discern God's call, here's what came to me. Um, Jonah eventually had to leave, and I'm not sure he really left behind his prejudice and judgmental convictions about this enemy nation, that that nation did a lot of evil things. And for God in ultimately to forgive that city was extremely distressing to Jonah. By the end of the narrative, uh, Jonah, I think, is still awash in his uh, anger and toward God in res resentment. But finally, Jonah did go and proclaimed to the city, which God had predicted dire consequences for. Uh, and instead, God honored the people's repentance. And that story then illustrates, and I think there's good news in this, that even Jonah's resistance and resentment did not defeat God's work of compassion in the world. The Jonah narrative is about uh, compassion. So, uh, interestingly, next week, we will read uh, the story of Jesus being encountering a man who disturbs public worship because of an unclean spirit. Jesus acts with compassion toward that disruptor and that troubled person. So, here's the question I'm asking myself. How am I a Jonah? How am I wanting to shape my discipleship to my image and preferences, but in the process feeling, failing to heed and act on God's will and purposes? As quoted in this week's Working Preacher, Jonah lurks in every Christian's heart. <laughs> That's powerful. And there is for me an urgency in my questioning, but I do not yet have an answer. How am I like Jonah? But that is an urgent question. But the good news is no matter how much I resist, God's purpose is compassion, not destruction. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a, a wonderful thing. I feel now affirmed in my in my direction for for Sunday uh, as one who's designing and leading worship that we are going to be um, listening to both of these narratives um, and and considering them because they are they are powerful uh, influencer. I think you know as we as we listen and discern and and we we do hold we are all of those things, right? There are, there are pieces of Jonah in us just as there are, are pieces of um, Nathaniel and Philip and James and John and, and others as well. And, and we are different at different times uh, based off of our context and situations. And we always have to do that work. 
Well, friends, um, thank you so much for your reflections and for your considerations today. I have found it to be uh, nurturing of my own faith, and I look forward to seeing what the Spirit does with God's Word um, in in our continued reflections and in the reflections of others as they also encounter this text in the week ahead. Any Any final thoughts? All right. Well, then, uh, may you all go in peace to love and to serve God in this week ahead. Thanks so much for joining us. Take good care.